Welcome back, everyone. You've reached Manta Aquatics. This is Juan and Steven. Today's topic is Top 3 Aquarium Plants. Thanks for tuning in again. We are uh, we were kind of going to do a, a review of our tank updates, as you will. Uh, so my biggest news is I finally uh, set up my Hillstream Loach breeding tank. I've been promising Juan to do that for... I don't know, years, months, what's it been now? Yeah, I think it's been a couple, uh, at least two years for sure. I've been bugging you to go ahead and get that tank set up uh, with no hopes in sight, but we finally have that going. Yeah, officially. So right now I'm running a planted 15 gallon. So I moved all the Daniels out of there. I've moved every, all the fish. The only that's in there now is Hillstream loaches and a couple of Gara fish that I just bought from the pet store that unfortunately came in a little small so they're not quite ready to go with angelfish right yeah they were a little small uh when you did get them but i I feel like they'll they'll do pretty good in that tank you got them in right now grow them out a little bit and then stick them in your 180 that's the plan right yeah the only fear i have is so they're the uh, pedicure gara so i'm afraid when i put my hand in there they're gonna start trying to eat my hand Right. I mean, well, at least you'll, your hands are going to look good when they come out, though. That's that's the only good thing there. <laughs> Silky smooth. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something to look forward to. So what's what are your big updates? Well, I have an update. It is a sad one, though. I did lose my puffer. Um, I, she was having a couple issues a while ago with eating, and then I had an, an accident where it got stuck in the uh, filter intake. And I didn't think it was going to make it uh, that night, but it did. And I actually survived at least two weeks. And then I found him one morning, I think it was Thursday of last week. And it just broke my heart. It was my first fish, one of my first fish I got in the tank uh, going into the hobby. So I, I was attached to it. Um, so it was a, it was it was heartbreaking for me. Yeah, and I was really sad to hear this too because like I said, I have 500 snails that now now have no real purpose in life <laughs> so, so and one's got a whole tank of snails too so you know after we cried for 15 minutes i asked them you know what are you gonna do with all those snails yeah we do i did start that colony just for that puffer so i don't know if i'm gonna jump into the puffer game anytime soon i know steve was talking about trying to get maybe an amazon puffer but uh, i think that's still in the air right now yeah i'm still on the hunt for uh, an amazon puffer i think it'd be a fun addition and give me a, uh, a reason to keep these snails around yeah it's true it would be fun to have see your amazon puffer and see how it does in your tank because it would go in the in your 180 yeah. so that'd be cool to see in there but besides that still have my saltwater tank uh i got the was supposed to get some bacteria in this week to do a fishless cycle but the bacteria i did get was for fresh water so that kind of got pushed back but uh, we'll see how it goes. I know I got a. It's coming in on Monday, so I might start cycling on Monday, depending on how I feel. Because today is my birthday, the day we're recording on Sunday. So just taking a chill day, recording today uh, for the podcast. We got Steve here. Yesterday was not a chill day. We went to all the fish stores. Yeah, we took advantage of yesterday. It was kind of bad weather here. It was raining all day, so we didn't really have anything else to do. So we decided to go ahead and hit all the stores. Well, most of the stores, because we do have a local store that has not opened uh, due to the coronavirus. Yeah, unfortunately, one of the employees got 
um, Corona, so they've been shut down for a few days, but hopefully they'll reopen soon. Yes, but we did take advantage and go ahead and hit the, uh, there is a far away store here. They do, I guess you could say... Uh, primarily, primarily salt water. Yeah, they do primarily salt water, and they specialize more in uh, breeding designer clownfish. So it's a good shop to go out and see, uh, do the hour drive that we do to, to get out there. <laughs> well, another nice thing about it, they have uh, Mandarin gobies that they actually kind of train to eat pellets and frozen. So, you know, you have a higher, Juan's been dreaming about a Mandarin forever. So we kind of went out there to get kind of a preview of the manners that he could get. Right. Yeah. They're, they're the only reason why I even got into the saltwater uh, tank life I guess you could say just so I could get a mandarin go before my own tank and the shop out there they do teach their gobies to go ahead and eat the frozen uh, mysis shrimp and and pellets so that's a good thing you don't have to have copepods the entire time so and if you've never seen a mandarin goby imagine like a rainbow and like a hummingbird had a baby that's pretty much a mandarin goby so. yeah yeah that pretty much is they're very beautiful fish and I love their colors they're there's at least four or three varieties of them, but the one I do love is the blue mandarin goby, and it's amazing, in my opinion. Yeah, my, my favorite is the ruby, which is like kind of a, a ruby red, and it has a yellow underside, which I had at first. Unfortunately, um, mine passed away, so I end up with the blue one. Uh, but it's doing well. I've had it for six months now. Yeah, yeah, yours is doing, is doing well, and it's pretty big, so I, I, I am looking forward to keeping my own, if not, you know seeing yours grow <laughs> yeah i did want to say uh so one thing that i thought was kind of cool with, with the hillstream tank uh when i um so i did figure out how to catch hillstreams so you have to come at it from the top put the net over them and for some reason instinctively they go up into the water column you think a loach would try to dart somewhere right they instinctively go straight up so if you put a net straight over them, they tend to go straight up right into the net so i thought i figured out how to catch them and um so i moved over a uh, bunch of adults, couple babies, and I thought I only had two babies. I moved both of them over, uh, but I was looking around the tank after I moved them, and I found two more. So, there. Right now, I have uh, three adults in the 180 and three in the 15, as well as two babies in both. So, I'm. It's kind of. I kind of wanted it like that anyway, because I feel like I can scientifically see which one is better to keep them like the community tank or have a tank all to themselves. Yeah. See if you have more of a success breeding in your community tank or in just them in the one one tank. Right, because right. obviously it's less work for me to have them in the 180, um, but to have them in the 15, it's almost like, to me, it feels kind of sad almost because you see them like hang out in the 180 and you put them in this little bitty 15 gallon, um, you know, it's, which I have it very well planted and it's really nice. It's just for the for the babies, it looks good, but for the adults, they're, you know, three inches long and... 15 is kind of small for them. Right. But there is talks about going bigger for, for them, is there not? Yeah. Right before uh, we went uh, started the podcast, I was talking one. And it was funny because I was like, you know, maybe I should get a 40-gallon. And then what I jumped up to? You would jump straight into a 90-gallon. <laughs> yeah. I think it went like 40, 55, 75. I was like, well, if I'm going to get a four-foot, I might as well just get the biggest bang for my buck. And I was like, maybe I can find a 90-gallon somewhere. Yeah, you definitely went straight for the 90. I suggest the 40 just because it is – I feel like it's big enough but not small, you know? My only thought press – so really I'm kind of leaning for like a 75 just because I can still use a one-fluble like four-foot light. 
but I feel like a, a 75, you could keep, I don't even know how many hill streams in a 75, like 20, 30. Yeah, I, could, I feel like you could keep at least maybe 25 in there. Yeah, so we'll keep you updated as we kind of make it through our own own fish journeys. Um, so my, uh, my first plant uh, tonight is going to be the Ozalot uh, Amazon Sword. So I always call them Ocelot, so that's probably what I'm referring to on the podcast. It's spelled very similarly. Um, the reason why I like uh, the sword plant, um, the Amazon sword, I always think of like Xena Warrior Princess coming at you with a sword. Right. And uh, But they're really cool. So these particular species, they have little, um, they kind of like sunspots, kind of like on your skin, little dark patches. And the reason I like these more, because I feel like they, they do better in the tank. So I tried probably three or four PetSmart Amazon swords, and they all kind of shrunk back down to like, finger size they're super tiny but these ones i have one um, that's about probably six inches wide so much bigger um, so i would say more hardy they get larger so if you know, if you have a small tank uh, maybe the regular sword would be good for you but if you have a larger tank i would definitely recommend uh that as i'm gonna call it, ocelot sword plant okay and that's your your number one there yeah i think that's gonna be my i have two right now that i i really enjoy and oh and a tip for you angelfish breeders out there if you have sword plants nine times out of ten they're going to go for they're going to lay eggs on the sword plants so if you're trying to breed them and you don't want to get a cone and you prefer a plant uh, an amazon sword um, ocelot or any other kind that's a, a good plant to start with that's good to know for trying to breed these angelfish yeah not bad all right so i got here for my first one i got the monte carlo and it's more of a carpeting plant, so you'll want to put it more towards the front. And uh, they are a a green, more of a green color, round leaf, smaller type of uh, carpeting plant. They kind of look like uh, the dwarf uh, baby tears. Uh, they do require more of a medium to to kind of highlight. Uh, they, I don't have fertilizer going in my tank currently just because i have hair algae in there and i'm not trying to feed that hair algae there so it gets worse uh, but when i first had them in there i was i was dosing fertilizer and they did seem to like it they were growing a lot more when i had that going in there just because i don't dose or i don't have co2 running in the tank now do you feel like you had more problems with the blackbeard with the fertilizer or less now well, I haven't dosed now that the blackbeard is gone is slowly going away, but I think when I was and I still had some blackbeard, I think it was feeding that blackbeard a little bit more. It was it wasn't going away for sure. Yeah, and uh, like I said on the earlier podcast, if you do have uh, blackbeard to flourish excel, I've been experimenting with that. I've kind of told Juan to you instead of throwing away your plant, try to hit it with that flourish excel, and I think you could. Uh, maybe help to feed it yeah i'm currently i have a couple uh some patches of monte carlo still have blackbeard so i will most likely try the flourish excel route um and then i'll have to go ahead and find some more monte carlo which i actually tried to this past weekend but none of the shops had any so i couldn't get any but i think i'm just gonna go ahead and dose some flourish excel make that blackbeard go away and then go ahead and get some more Monte Carlo because I do like how it carpets the bottom of the tank. It, it, it's a nice green and then it gets pretty thick once it gets going. So I, I do like that. Okay. All right. So my number two is going to be Bulbitis. Uh, they also call it African, uh, an African fern. 
So this is uh, my, my first uh, rhizome plant I'm going to talk about. So if you've ever seen, let's see, what's a good way of trying to describe it? Uh, it's kind of like, almost like a tree, but it kind of overhangs a little bit, kind of like a willow tree, but maybe not quite as um, a thicker leaf. But the best thing about Bulbitis is, um, it, like I said, it is kind of like a Nubius, but it grows taller and uh, it's, it's going to be a, just as hardy. So if you have a Nubius and you're looking for maybe an additional rhizome plant, um, Bulbitis could be, you know, what you're looking for. And I would say, you know, if you have rocks or driftwood or anything like that, it's going to be a, a benefit to you. I, I know the local store has a big uh, thing of Bulbitis in there. I think it's a 30 gallon and it looks really good. It's probably about, I don't know, what was it, two feet high. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty good size. Um, but I would definitely kind of recommend it just because it is so hardy. Um, like the, I love Anubis. I probably have six or seven Anubis. And I wanted just something to kind of add just as hardy, but like a different shape, maybe a different color. And Bulbitis kind of fit that role really well. Now, would you put the Bulbitis like towards the midground, or, or how? where would you place that in the tank? So do you think? I would say it's I, – I put mine in the back because okay. I wanted it to kind of – get tall and spread out on, along the back of the, the tank. Right. Whereas with Anubius, I feel it's more like a mid-ground, and Bulbitis is more like a, a background plant. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, the Bulbitis was very nice. All right, so my number two, this is going to be a tricky one, at least to say, is the, now Now I'm going to say this one time, the Alternatera Reinekiki Mini. I think I did good there, right? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. What, what, did, what did you say again? <laughs> Don't make me say it again. <laughs> the Alternatera Reina Kiki Mini. Now, they do have the regular version, which is not the Mini. Uh, the Mini is just a smaller version. It's more compact. It is more of a, a bronze red color leaf uh, to the top. And then underneath is a like a almost like a fluorescent purple um, on the under, underside. Uh, they so th since they are a I guess like a considered a red plant uh, They do want more of an iron supplement. I know when I did have some I was dosing iron in the tank and they did seem to like it a lot more and the color seemed to pop a little bit more since like I said I don't have a co2 system in the tank So I would suggest dosing at least once a week for it just to keep that color going uh, They do like moderate to high light as well so I would go ahead and put them somewhere where they do like that, you know, get, get a good amount of light. I'd say mid-ground placement is good. You could do a carpeting, which I, I did try, but I didn't really like the look, but you could try it. And then, like I said, they're, they're just the smaller version of the, the regular Alternatera plant. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know when I, I have a couple different, uh, I think Liguigia, they, I have bought a few red ones, and I don't dose iron or CO2, and I've noticed that my plants basically turn green, so for those of you trying to keep red plants, uh, you might want to invest in some iron, because like I said, I, mine were like a cardinal bird red, and now they're like yeah. just a regular green, so... Yeah, for sure the iron does make a difference. I've noticed that it does. So, like I said, just go ahead and dose an iron supplement once a week. You should be good. All right, I'll jump to my third one, which, uh, which is uh, our uh, my uh, Bucephalandra. So, like I was talking about earlier, so one of the local fish store guys, he made a joke about it. He said it was the bougie plant. 
Um, which I thought was funny because I think it's more the price. So he said bougie plant. Yeah, he said a bougie. It was a bougie plant. Uh, that's how he remembers it. Interesting. So, which I thought was funny, but so it's it basically looks like a little palm tree. Uh, and I got the giant variety, which giant is like three and a half inches. Right. Right. And I also got like a dwarf species, which is like I don't know an inch and a half. Ironically, they're both the same price. So about $17 a piece. But I was telling Juan earlier, you know, if you tell somebody you paid $16 for or $17 for a plant, they look at you like, wow, you must be at a really cool plant. But then if you go to like a coral store and buy like any coral, it's like the starting price is like $20. And I paid, I don't even want to say this on air. <laughs> I think I paid $80 for, for a plate coral. And you know, I couldn't even imagine what an $80 freshwater plant would be. I can't even think of one that would be $80. But that, yeah, I could see people giving you looks for purchasing an $80 plant for sure. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure you can buy an $80 plant. I don't know why you would want to, but I feel <laughs> like you could. But like with coral, you know, $80 is like, I would say it's like a mid range coral. Right. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, if, if you said you got a coral for $16 or $17, they would be like, oh, that's a great deal. Yeah, that's like a steal. Right, like if you stole that at somebody's house. Yeah. So so definitely, you know, if you, those of you who are considering saltwater or freshwater, as far as if, if you think plants and corals are pretty much the same as far as aesthetically pleasing, plants much cheaper. But as Juan and I will both say, you know, corals definitely bring a different variety of colors. Yeah, they definitely do. There, there's more, more than just the green and reds you get in freshwater for sure. It's true. Yeah, I think most of my plants are either green, red. I can't even think of any other colors really. They're like different shades of green. Yeah. Um, yeah. Different. Yeah. There's there are different shades of greens for sure. I've gotten some whites and some yellows, but that's because the plants dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, they weren't made to be that color. Oh, I did have my uh, Anuvius flower. So that's going to be, uh, I was talking to Juan, I showed a picture earlier. So I don't know if you guys know this, but if you have a Nubius, they can actually grow a flower. It's actually a white flower underwater, which here's the flower doesn't last very long, but it, it is a good indicator if uh, the plant's happy. Yeah, which I didn't know until he showed me a picture of it, and I didn't think Anubias uh, had a plant like that. So I'm curious to see when it does, I guess, bloom. I don't know the term for it underwater. Um, to see what it actually looks like and then hopefully Steve can snap a shot of it and post it on on our Instagram so y'all can check it out too yeah it's a it doesn't happen very often like I've had that plant for I think two years now I think it's this is the second time it's flowered so it's not a common occurrence but if you can make them happy they'll uh, they'll make the real flower that's cool so where where would you place your um Bulbitis or yeah sorry no Bucephalandra yes where would you place your Bucephalandra um so Bucephalandra, it's also a rhizome plant, um, so you're going to want to stick it on a rock or some driftwood. The local store did have them in the substrate, so apparently you can do it. You just have to make sure that rhizome just like slightly above the substrate. Uh, but the store employee did say, he's like, why would you want to risk that? He's like, if you lose that plant, it's super expensive. So he, he encouraged me to put it on a rock or driftwood, so I did. But I have a lot of plants on rocks and driftwood, so there's no you know big difference to me. But it is next to my... Uh, bridge of happiness as i call it it's my <laughs> right so, so i i just ordered a uh, a christmas tr christmas tree moss 
bridge from Aquarium Co-op. I put it next to it, which I think that the bridge was only about $13, so it was pretty cheap. That's not bad. No, it wasn't that bad. And it arrived, I think, two or three days after I ordered it, so it was pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, it does look good in that tank. I do like it. I'm curious to see how, how much that Christmas moss grows, though. Yeah, they're supposed to, it's supposed to make, like, so it's a bridge now. It's supposed to make, like, a circle. So kind of like, so I figure I could just cut little holes in it so the Hillstream babies could kind of zoom in and out of there as they please. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how how fast it grows, so we'll see. <clears throat> so, moving on to my third one. I have the Rotala Indica, and it's one of the, uh, I have a lot of it in my 10-gallon. It's, I call it my jungle, because if you do plant, you can plant it heavy. You know, if it gets, grows too long, you just snip some of the top and then replant it, and it'll grow roots, and then that's how you get that full effect in the tank going there. Uh, it is a more of a green leaf type of plant. It does have some reds, but if you're not dosing any iron, which I currently am not, um, it'll just mainly be green. Again, with the iron supplements, you know, if you want these plants, a lot of these uh, more red plants to be more, have that pop color, you'll want to dose that iron in there. So would you say, would you say this is like a mid-ground, background plant? Oh yeah, so I would say this is more of a mid-ground to background plant, because like I said, you can, it'll grow fast and if you trim them in a way you can have them so that they form a sh like a kind of like a round shape towards the top i know i've seen a lot of, of these dutch aquariums i don't know if you've seen those yeah i've seen a couple yeah where they have like kind of like the rounded tops of these uh tall growing plants and it looks pretty cool and you can do the same with these with these guys if you plant very densely so yeah i would say definitely mid-ground to background for these plants for sure yeah so just kind of maybe recap mine so ocelot sword definitely um, give it lots of room to spread out lobitis good for the back stick it on a rock you know kind of forget about it take forever to grow and bucephalandra kind of a you know three inch uh Plant's kind of expensive, but definitely looks like a little palm tree. So um, I, me and my mom were actually talking about making like an island and put a bunch of Bruce Flandra and like sand all around it. Yeah. And make like a little island look. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, I recommend all these plants. Only thing with this one note with the sword, make sure you put root tabs under them or they, they'll kind of shrink on you. So either way, if you want a bigger or wider one, root tab it. If you want kind of a smaller one, don't root tab it. Yeah. So my, my recap will be the Monte Carlo, which is more of the carpeting plant. So I'll kind of go in order here. So the carpeting plant will be my Monte Carlo. They got the more of the green, smaller, round leaves. And then I say my mid-ground would be the Athanathera Reina Kiki Mini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely a fun name to say there. And like I said, they're a red plant, so you'll want to go ahead and dose your iron for them just to have that, that pop of color uh, come out on them. And then as a more of a background type of plant, uh, the Rotala Indica and like I said once they start growing you can go ahead and cut some of the top and then replant them and you'll definitely get that very heavy densely uh, jungly look going on for them so that is all we have for today we hope to catch y'all on the next one